Hi, my name is John Kristen, and this is Out of Bounds, Daily Bruins Sports Podcast. Hi, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Out of Bounds. I am your host, John Kristen, a senior staff writer here at the Daily Bruin. We're back on this beautiful Monday morning in the Daily Bruin offices to talk about some more UCLA football, which is coming off its biggest win of the season. But before we get into any of that, let me once again introduce noted Michael Penix Jr. as the best quarterback in the conference believer and Dorian Thompson Robinson hater, sports editor Sam Settleman. What's up, Sam? Not much. I would like to say my take has now changed. DTR is far better than Michael Penix Jr. That's all I got. That was pretty apparent on Friday. That's not a radical observation from Sam. He should have known that before the game, but here we are. And as a special treat, we have another guest joining us this morning. Staff writer and football beat reporter Gavin Carlson is on hand to discuss the win. Gavin, first time on the pod in a while. How are we doing today? I'm good. I'm glad to be back. Um, Other than my Saints finding a way to break my heart every weekend, UCLA is back, so I'm good. UCLA is indeed back, Gavin. They are coming off a 40-32 to victory over then-Washington on Friday night. The sole Friday night spotlight on them on national TV, they're their only game on, and it paid off huge for them. Yeah, definitely plenty of good. I think we'll get to the defense in a second because it's probably the most surprising performance and successful performance of the weekend. But we have to start with the big three on offense, DTR, Zach Charbonnet, Jake Bobo. All played stellar, I think, this might have been DTR's best game. He just looked so confident in the pocket. We were really worried about Washington and their front six, front seven, creating a lot of havoc around the line of scrimmage. But he looked really confident. He looked really comfortable. The offensive line definitely played a role in that. He hit nine different receivers for the second straight week, so he's really doing a good job at spreading the ball around, making a lot of good reads. Jake Bobo looked like a real number one wide receiver, something UCLA maybe hasn't had in a while. Sure, they've had Kyle Phillips in the slot. Sure, they've had Greg Dolchich as a really good tight end, but they have a number one wide receiver in Jake Bobo. He looks dangerous. Charbonnet did his usual thing. Uh, it's hard to really find any flaws with the offense here on, against a, t- a Washington defense that has been giving teams trouble, and, and they made him look very soft on Friday night. I think we got to emphasize the offensive line in there too because that was a group that everybody kind of was asking questions about coming into this year. You you lose a guy like Sean Ryan, Alec Anderson, and, I mean, replacing that production is no easy task. And this offensive line hasn't been great to start this year, I think. Um, but against the Washington team that's one of the top sacking teams in the country, um, they held up really well. And it's not just the passing game and the running game. They were good on all fronts. Um, and I think that was a large reason why DTR looked as good as he did on Friday. Um, and I think if they can continue that, this offense is going to be really dangerous on on all levels. I think you guys are both bearing the lead a little bit. You guys both mentioned Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I know Gavin said it may have been his best game, but we just can't underestimate how good of a game he had on Friday. Again, with the national spotlight on him, he had 315 passing yards, three touchdowns, 53 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown on the ground as well. And he's had so many highlight plays, the hurdle, his second hurdle of his career after the USC one last year. The rushing touchdown where he juked two guys, made them run into each other. I saw both of those on Bleacher Report, ESPN, everywhere, everyone talking about him. And that was a big moment for him. I think really, obviously, he's always been a popular guy (laughs) with the nickname DTR. He plays an exciting style of football. He's been popular, but this is really like his coming out party. It only took five years to get here, but it was still good to see his hard work pay off. And it was cool to see him so fired up after the game. Start with the bad here, too, as well. Not as much bad. This is going to sound pretty nitpicky, but I think one bad thing that I noticed in the press box, especially I was talking to Sam about this, was the fourth down decision making. It was only twice they went for it on fourth down, but both seemed pretty like 
not, I don't want to say bad decisions because obviously after the fact it was a bad decision, they didn't get it, but it just seemed questionable and the play calling kind of backed that up. The first one was on the first drive of the game. Obviously, Washington came out on their first drive, scored. UCLA was already down 7 nothing. UCLA drives almost the length of the field to get down after Kazmir Allen's good kick return after that slide tackle penalty by Washington's kicker, and they get the ball, goal to go. They run it to Zach Charbonnet, and then they just go away from Charbonnet completely. They pass three times in a row, go for it on fourth down, um, which was one of those passes, and just three bad play calls. Like the the fourth down one got completely blown up. There was no one there, and you just got to take the points there. I think get on the board. If Washington scores there, you could be facing a fourteen nothing deficit. And then they went for it again later in the game at the end of the first half after Dorian Thompson Robinson's hurdle, in fact. And again, just weird decision. And I think in a closer game, that really would have cost them. But, you know, Chip Kelly has always been noted to go for it. But the real bad in this game, again, I'm burying the lead now, is Washington just did not live up to the hype. I know they had some tough travel, short week, all that. But they were supposed to be high-scoring team in the conference, and they just didn't look it. Yeah, I mean, they they looked flustered. Um, On the first drive, they had to call a timeout because they weren't going to get the snap off. They did the same thing, I think, in the end of the first quarter. They had to call a timeout right before what would have been a delay of game. And, I mean, Penix, both of his picks were awful. They were just bad reads on the, uh, the Blaylock one. Blaylock literally slipped, got back up, and then made the pick. It was an awful read. And then the second one to Vaughn's, same thing. He tried to throw a little corner out, and he was probably a full second late, and he really was never open. So, yeah, disappointing performance from him. I mean, they were hyping him up. Obviously, the leading passer coming into the game in the entire country. And for the first time in their season, they were trailing, and they – they looked flustered. They looked like a team that did not know how to play under adversity. So, I mean, I think if we go back to the UCLA offensive side, John talked about the play calling a little bit. I think there were a couple calls earlier in the first half that were maybe a little iffy. But aside from that, I think the offense was humming for the most part. Um, but then you get to the fourth quarter, and I think, I mean, you're going into the quarter f- up 40-16 to 16 against the top offense. I get the idea to just run the ball, run clock. But obviously Washington did make a run for it at the end there with 16 straight points. It becomes an eight-point game. And I don't really think the game was ever in jeopardy, but definitely some conservative play calling. You could have passed the ball a couple more times, maybe tried to get some more extended drives and really ice it. But I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, we said it. There's not much bad from this one. Speaking of that, Sam, do you want to talk about the ugly? I feel like uglies may be a little strong for this take. Um, but again, I go back to the fan attendance. It's something that, you know, everybody's been talking about. The national media has been talking about. Local media has been talking about it. And I think you look at all the first three home games of this year, there's excuses everywhere you can find them. And they make sense. You know, hot temperatures, students aren't back at school, bad opponents being maybe the primary factor. But now you got Washington on a Friday night, a ranked opponent after a 4-0 start, chance to go 5-0, and get back in the national rankings. I would have liked to see at least 50,000 fans in the stands. I get the Friday night argument. It's not quite the same as a Saturday. That maybe loses some of your audience. But, I mean, 41,000 fans attending that game at the Rose Bowl is is pretty bad, I think. And obviously the real test comes with Utah this week. I think if they can't push 60,000 against Utah, we're really going to be talking about this a lot more. And I know it kind of it faded that conversation a little bit this week, just the way that UCLA won that game. Nobody's really talking about the fans and the attendance. The audience looked better, looked more lively. But in general, I think if this is still a problem for the rest of the year, we're definitely still going to be talking about it. I'm going to have to butt against you here, Sam. I know 41,000 is disappointing. I think people are over-exaggerating the fact that the first three games were so bad. Obviously, no students, awful weather. Um, I don't really blame the fans for not showing up. I'm going to take a shot at Troy Aikman. I think that 30,000 stadium idea is awful. There was 41,000 on a Friday night game with I, I left my apartment at 5.30, and I got there at 7. It took an hour and a half, which should take 40 minutes. We have to defend 
Bruin Nation a little bit for this one. And I also do agree that they need to hit 60,000 for Utah. I think they will. They have double tarps now over both end zones. So if you get 60,000, it's basically going to look full. And the atmosphere was better. You heard Chip Kelly say it after the game. You heard the players say it. It's kind of ironic. Like you said, 41,000, not that strong. But because it's been so low, you have 40,000 fans and their players are acting like it was a packed house. So I think it'll get better. But I think it, you're right, 60,000 on Saturday, or it's, it's a disappointment. I mean, I go back to LSU last year. That was a game that you're pushing 70,000 at the Rose Bowl, which I guess in past years, you know, isn't saying much, but relative to some of the recent turnouts, that's that's a huge number. And I know LSU traveled in big numbers too, and I think Utah's going to do the same. Um, but, yeah, if you look at a team that was 8-4 and four last year, started started this year 4-0, and oh, and now you got a ranked opponent coming in Friday night, I feel like you got to be better than 41,000. But we'll see how it plays out the rest of the year. I think we all agree that next week is going to be the real test with Utah coming to town. Obviously, we'll see about fan attendance. Speaking of Utah, it's UCLA's next opponent, obviously. Number 11, Utah, will be in Pasadena on Saturday. It's a 12-30 kick. Big game. Utah is 4-1. and one. They're the reigning Pac-12 champs. 4-1, and one, as I said, they lost their first game of the season to Florida. A really tough first game of the season going down to the Swamp. And then the last four games, they have looked completely dominant. They've had an over 35-point margin of victory. They're coming off a big win against Oregon State, who is better than people think. So this will be a big big game for UCLA. Obviously, the best team they faced all season and may by the end of the season be the best team they face when it's all said and done right now utah's favored by four points it opened up at two and a half so people are are hedging for the reigning pac-12 champs and chip kelly has not played utah well at all in his time at ucla they lost last year 44 to 24 in 2019 they lost 49 to 3 and in 2018 41 to 10 so all blowouts but there's a lot of caveats with that. Still early in Chip Kelly's tenure for the first few. And then last year, Dorian Thompson-Robinson didn't play. But still, I think a lot of Bruin fans have bad memories facing Utah. So I'm going to pose this question to Gavin and Sam. What makes this year different? And what do you think is going to happen out there on Saturday? I think Utah's going to win. I think what's different about this Bruin team is that they look more confident they look like they belong when they play a top team like they did with Washington I think when they played LSU last year they kind of had to believe that they could compete with them and sort of towards the set late second quarter you kind of felt it I think even though those fourth down calls were questionable in the Washington game I think it was this belief like no we're going to go punch for punch with Washington and I do think that they genuinely believe the same with Utah but I just think Utah is much better than Washington at the line of scrimmage I feel like UCLA's offensive line performance on Friday was somewhat of a fluke um and so I think Utah is going to dominate them at the line of scrimmage. Um, and so I'm going to go 38-31 Utah. I know that's not a huge blowout or anything, but I think Utah is going to get the win. I'm with you. I got Utah by double digits, let's say 41-27, something along those lines. But I am I think you hit the nail on the head. I think this is a different team than it was the past couple of years. And Utah's had UCLA's number for a while now. But I do think that UCLA is going to have a shot in this one. I know it's packed, reigning packed all champions champions um and this is a utah team that's probably the best team in the pac-12 right now i know the ap poll says otherwise um, but probably the top team top to bottom in the conference but yeah i think there's a different ucla team and i think it honestly boils down to the confidence you look at what dtr has done in big games lately you know the usc game last year in washington a couple days ago i think he shows up when it matters um and he'll be able to do that again on saturday but will it be enough to take down one of the best teams honestly not only in the conference but in the country i'm not sure about that part close this out, I'm going to introduce a new segment to the podcast called Bruin Bites, where I ask my guests on the show a few questions, short answer, short response about this UCLA team and about the past game and about the future game. So first question, 
is the win over Washington the best win of the Chip Kelly era? I'm going to say no. I know rankings-wise, you know, this number 15 Washington team is his best win in terms of opponents. But I think you look back at USC last year, I think that's got to be number one for me. Just the way in which they beat USC. I know USC wasn't the same as they are now, but I think the way that they beat that team, 62 points, I think it did a lot for the momentum of the program and just Chip Kelly's status in the eyes of Bruins fans. So I think that was a bigger win. Uh, I'm going to say that this is the biggest win. Um, Sure, that USC one probably saved Chip's job. Um, I don't think it changed the trajectory of the program that much because USC now is a powerhouse and we're still relying on transfers to have starting, you know, playing starting roles. Um, But this win on Friday, like I said, it just felt different. It felt like the Bruins felt like they were just as good of a team. We saw DTR talking that talk in the post-game press conference, and sort of now the question will be, can they talk that talk again against a way better team, in my opinion? But I do think this was the best win of their the Chip Kelly era. Was the win over Washington Dorian Thompson-Robinson's best game as a Bruin? I think so, and I think we talked about it a little bit, just the way he looks, the confidence out there, um, some of the highlight plays. But really, he made every throw. He missed one or two maybe, but just the confidence level and the way he looked out there was probably the best I've seen him play. Yeah, I'll keep it quick. I agree. Um, he had that one missed throw to Bobo in the slot in the end zone. But other than that, he really played an almost perfect game. I think some will say the FC game, but people forget he had some picks there at the beginning of that game. This was really a flawless performance, didn't do anything wrong, and uh, yeah, I think it shows the improvement that he's he's really he's really grown throughout these five years. Is this new defense under new defensive coordinator Bill McGovern legit? I'm gonna say we don't know yet. I know Washington top offense in the country. They slowed him down for all three quarters on Friday. But the way this team has looked through four games, giving up points to bad offenses, I think we can't say this is a turned around defense quite yet. Yeah, I think Friday was a bit more of Washington being overrated than the UCLA defense being underrated. Um, I think they did everything they needed to do, but you could argue if they don't get that safety on the second Washington drive, it could have been 14 nothing Washington, and it could have been a completely different game. Who is the better quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson or Michael Penix Jr.? DTR. I feel like you got to go DTR now. Yeah, I agree. DTR. Um, Penix showed that when he's uncomfortable, you don't know what you're going to get from him. When he's comfortable, he's probably a better QB than DTR. He's more accurate. Um but the decision-making under pressure was not good from him, and DTR has improved in that way. So I'll go DTR. And then last question, who is a better quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson or Cameron Rising from Utah? I think right now I'm going Cam Rising. I think I talked a lot about DTR showing up in big games and all that, but this is a guy in Cam Rising who, as a sophomore, almost took down Ohio State in the Rose Bowl last year. So just his experience and what he's looked like on the biggest stage, I think I have to take rising over DTR. Um, maybe it's recency bias, um, but after DTR's Friday night performance, I'm going to go DTR. I think he has grown tremendously as a pocket passer, which is obviously Cam Rising's thing. And obviously DTR is dynamic in the run game. Um, he'll give you the flashy play, which we all love. But I think it's just the leadership from him, I think, is, is something that's really grown. Um, everyone's talking about that play where he through what would have been a pick and he goes in there with his helmet and knocks the ball away from a defensive lineman and he really just seems to be you know galvanizing the troops so I think DTR is just an emotional leader and I, I'd take him over rising right now. Of course Daily Bruins resident hater Sam Settleman picked against Dorian Thompson Robinson that's fitting but that's going to wrap us up here at Out of Bounds. Out of Bounds is brought to you by the Daily Bruin UCLA student newspaper. You can listen to this show and others by the Daily Bruin on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And a transcript for this show is available at dailybruin.com. Thanks, everyone.